Hi, wherever you're listening to me, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakli and today I bring you another edition of my special briefings. Some 10 years ago, Shekhar Kirani took a flight from Bangalore to Chennai, spent the better part of the day talking to a couple of young entrepreneurs before taking an evening flight back. He'd been introduced to them by a colleague and the partner at Axel was looking to find out if the VC firm should invest in them. Those two entrepreneurs, Girish Matrabhutam and Shan Krishnasamy, came from simple backgrounds and hadn't attended any of India's institutes of technology or top business schools. They had experience working at Zoho, a small software products company at that time, which helped, but many VCs would have rejected them, Shaker says. But something about the duo and their fledgling venture called Fresh Desk at the time convinced Kirani that Axel should go ahead and take a bet on them. And Fresh Desk, which would eventually become Freshworks, got its first million dollars in VC money and Shekhar joined the company's board. He certainly couldn't have imagined then that the little Chennai outfit would go on to deliver Axel's first US IPO from its Indian portfolio and an Indian founder-led software products company at that. I caught up with Shekhar a day after he returned from attending Freshworks' billion-dollar IPO on the Nasdaq. We spoke about everything from what was going through his head on the floor of the exchange to how Girish had matured as an entrepreneur and what it takes to succeed as a VC investor. Here's how our conversation went. Shekhar, uh, welcome to this podcast. Thank you so much for making time for this. Um, you've just returned uh, from participating in uh, Freshworks IPO on the NASDAQ. Um, must have been pretty exciting for those folks. Uh, give us a sense of the atmosphere at the listing. And uh, maybe if you remember, tell us what was running through your mind when you were on the floor over there. Yeah, it's uh, an extraordinary experience, I would say, Harry. The atmosphere was with a high energy, exciting, a lot of exuberance and uh, kind of a sense of uh, belonging for everybody who had come together uh, to make this uh, event. You know, the, the best thing I heard from the, the head of NASDAQ is that in his 17 years of experience, he had never seen so much of excitement and fun about the IPO. And he was, uh, you know, uh, it was his first from an India company listing in NASDAQ and was uh, quite uh, copious in terms of his praise for how all things were going. With respect to a second question, what was running in my mind, you know, so this is like so much of emotion going through. And I see that I was thinking about the power of entrepreneurship, you know, the power of entrepreneurship that too, especially in SaaS, you know, where things compound over the years. When we started, Girish and Shan, you know, uh, who had come from very humble background, not so obvious colleges and degrees, for all practical purposes, I don't think most of the people would, wouldn't have backed Girish or Shan unless because of uh, they were at uh, Zoho a little bit, so that helped them. Uh, otherwise, they would have been ignored, but uh, with a phenomenal skills, background, and the right uh, ideal experience to take on kind of a fresh works product. So I was looking at it in the 11 years of journey, what was transformed 
from an humble beginning to this uh, extraordinary world's first listing from India of a product company. And for me, I was thinking through you know, what an example this would set to any entrepreneur anywhere in the world who are dreaming big and uh, you know exploring the possibility of accomplishing something big. For me, that was running through my mind, you know, while uh, we were celebrating, and I was kind of uh, remembering the days of when that with them of six employees to now four thousand plus employees, almost you know sub fifty customers to now fifty thousand plus customers, uh, you know, across the globe. Yeah. Um... Take us uh, behind the scenes a bit uh, over the say maybe 12 to 10 months leading up to the uh, IPO. Uh, you are widely known as someone who's been a constant sounding board for Girish. Uh, give us a sense of uh, some of the important points you all discussed leading up to the IPO. Uh, were there any doubts and questions that needed to be addressed? Yeah, excellent question. You know, um, for any founders, I would say, the ultimate, ultimate test of entrepreneurship is taking the company public because the public listing is not an easy uh, event or like an event of private fundraising that companies do today. The public listing is a, a material, significant milestone for the founders and the company and all the stakeholders. So when we look at what takes a company, especially a software subscription-based, SaaS-based company to go list is in the US market, you know, you need to have a sizable base of revenues, first of all, which Freshworks was in, in the process of going there. But more importantly, you, know, you need a large market because once you go list, you need to see at least a, an ability to grow in a, at a pace for the next five to 10 years and continue to expand the time and new products and continue to build this uh, leadership position that you would have started when you were going to go public. So large time was an important thing. The second one is a much harder skill company has to develop, what I call as ability to predict consistently, you know, your revenues, your growth, your number of customers, and actually meet or exceed them. And this second one requires a rigor uh, in the company's processes, tools, and the machinery that gets the company to be able to say where they would be and consistently repeat it. That is the machinery and the muscle that the company has to build. And the third one is, which is reasonably people know it, but until you do it, you, know, you don't know the complexity, and the needs of it is in best-in-class compliance. You know, if that is in across all aspects of the company. How do you get the compliance to the level that the company's IP, the assets, employee base, and customers' data is all protected and is everything works as per the expected uh, public company norms? So these three were very essential. And you need to do all of these things while building your products while you're growing, while making sure customers are happy, employees are happy and everything else. So it is a push on the leadership team. So in the last 18 months or so, 
the conversation has been you know are you ready and do you want to get ready and if so let's go through the the motion required to be able to go and do this one day and that has led to you know recruiting the leadership team which has been there and done ipos before and that experience uh, has been significantly helped uh, freshworks and secondly building a world class board which has been uh, there on many other public companies and have seen the scale and have is become a fantastic sounding board for uh, freshworks so today girish and team are surrounded by an extraordinary talent to help him uh, you know not only get to this milestone of ipo but actually execute in their uh, commitment that they have made to the public market mm. uh during the uh, road show uh, what came across to you as some of the reasons that investors are strongly invest- interested in uh, in freshworks which uh, you know now is reflected in the really successful ipo and uh, what are some of the top questions that they were asking yeah it's a great question so you know the freshworks is coming across like a you know a multi product multi region multi customer segment company so what i mean by that is they serve small medium and large customers they serve uh, they have customers across the globe you know they, uh, i think around 130 plus countries i i, I would say and uh, maybe more and they also have multi products you know they have a crm product they have a help desk product and they have a it service management product they also have launched an internal uh, you know hr product for people to manage their teams and this all this combination sitting on one platform and be able to get into customers uh with uh, across the globe so that was the kind of the attraction for a lot of these uh, public market investors and obviously it's a, such a horizontal product which means time is very good and secondly uh the product is well constructed so people wanted to know what are the key differentiators on why customers would buy freshworks product there was a quite a lot of questions around that and girish was able to articulate why their products win uh, compared to kind of competing other products because of ease of use you know delight in you know in terms of e- using the product as well as going live is you know extremely uh, easy doesn't take long time customization can be done by self and so many of the product uh, decisions they have made makes it easy to absorb and easy to use and that uh, was what people uh, uh, loved it and lastly the obviously you know every public market investor wants to know the metrics the business metrics you know the growth rate the you know how big the growth rate can continue to happen uh the churn you know and expansion and number of customers arpu which are all kind of key business saas metrics which are all in the kind of the top quadrant uh, for freshworks so all these three help them uh, to be strong interest in uh, you know freshworks and most of them are digging on these areas with the deeper questions mm. uh you know um as part of axel of course you would have seen many uh large global deals and transactions 
uh, maybe even much bigger IPOs and so on. But for you personally, uh, was there anything special about uh, Freshworks' IPO? And was this the first IPO from within the portfolio of companies that you have uh, championed? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, as Axel, over the last 35 years, we have seen a significant number of IPOs. And, you know, when we started our office in London and office in Bangalore, we've been looking for the best entrepreneurs coming from anywhere in the world to be able to build these uh, publicly listable companies. So in, in 2015, we backed Atlassian, you know, which got listed in uh, US uh, stock market, right? This is originally from Australia. So, you know, we were the investors in them. Now it's a massive company. Then if you look at uh, recently, you've done several, but recently the most recent example is UiPath from Europe, which got listed in uh, April this year and has done really well on the public market, big ones. So we didn't have any representation from India or Asia in our uh, public markets. So for me, this was a, for an Axel perspective, you know, having a company from India list uh, in the US uh, as the first product company was an amazing story. From our Axel in India perspective as well, this is the very first IPO for us uh, in our portfolio. You know, we have done uh, several investments, you know, more than 150. And among them, this was in our fund three, which is very early days of 2011 when we invested in uh, Freshworks. Over the last 10 years, several companies have scaled. And this is a story of one company going public and very excited about it. Yeah, yeah I'm going to come back to Atlassian and UiPath a little down the line uh, and Axel. Um, but on Freshworks as IPO, uh, you're in a position to give us the uh, big picture significance of this IPO. So if you step back and look at it, look at this IPO, how should we see the big picture significance of this IPO? Yeah, you know, so the significance is, uh, I would say, it's an extraordinarily significant today for a company from India be able to list in the US. I'm also happy that it happened with Freshworks and Girish, because if you go across the ecosystem and ask about Girish, you know, you will not hear any negativity about him. He has been a very humble entrepreneur, down to earth, you know, very clear in his priority about ensuring his employees are happy, his customers are happy, and obviously his investors are happy. And he's also one of those with a significant pay forward thinking. So he has been, he knew he is early. And, uh, you know, we have been working with him and as, as kind of the a leading torch bearer for SaaS companies in India. So he could have continued as it is, but he has taken time to spend uh, with a lot of other entrepreneurs in sharing knowledge, sharing insights, sharing how whatever he has learned, how it works, how it scales. And in fact, even opening up some of his data room itself in terms of what techniques work so that others can catch up. Because he saw this uh, in the valley where there is a lot of sharing and everybody helping each other. And he knew that for us to build a nation of product companies, uh, we need to share with each other. And I'm happy that this has been 
the very first uh, IPO from India. He has set a tone and example for the rest of the SaaS companies from India who may consider listing in India or listing in the US. Let's talk a bit more about uh, Girish, the entrepreneur and uh, the person. Maybe a good time to ask you to uh, recall the first time you met Girish. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, your impressions. Yeah, you know, uh, Girish, uh, you know, I met him in his office in Chennai. It's a small office. It was his first office uh, before he had raised any money. I think it is to be a warehouse converted into kind of office, uh, small two rooms, three rooms, I guess. Um, you know, in my very first meeting, I spent, I think, a whole day there. You know, there was, uh, uh, I flew in the morning. I, I, I know I work out of Bangalore and then uh, came back in the evening. I spent the whole day with the team trying to interact, understand, met his, uh, I think, uh, two co-founders plus four employee days. Uh, they showed me the demo of the product and everything else. To summarize what I learned at the end of that uh, day is that A is, a, first of all, a great storyteller. So he was very impressive in, you know, translating why he started this company, the pain points he observed, and so on. So that great storytelling where he brings the context of the customer to the decision he's making is amazing. And secondly, even though it was only, I think, three or four months of work on the product, a very small amount, you know, they didn't have a lot of paying customers or maybe very few paying customers. Uh, you could see the product shine. It was really awesome in terms of it's very polished. Whatever they had done, it was not haphazard at all. It was very clean. <coughs> UI was very clean. Uh, copy was very clean. And he had a reasoning of how the product works and why it works the way they have designed it. And, and lastly, you know, his uh, you know, ability to make decisions. His decisions, you know, you ask, I asked him, why did you hire this particular person for customer support? So it was very methodical. And, uh, you know, he had this uh, way of uh, hiring people and way of reasoning why he's bringing this person specifically, the first customer service person uh, at Fresh, it was called his Fresh Desk at that time, the company. You know, he said like, you know, hey, this guy cares more about customers than anybody I have seen in my life. So I wanted my first customer support person to be someone who cares about customers. So, uh, you know, he had reason and, you know, all the reasoning had an equal amounts of what I call his heart and equal amount of rationality. So very unique personality. And uh, at least in, in, in the same meeting, I had decided to invest and uh, we closed the investment. So. Mm. Uh, must have been uh, a bit over 10, 10 years now since you gave him that first $1 million. Uh, yeah, 2011, I think May, April or May we met and uh, we decided to invest. I think the investment happened in a quarter later. Yeah, actually after the documentation and so on. Mm. So uh, over the years, since that first meeting that you've come to know him very well, uh, what are some of the uh, important changes that you have seen in him? as an entrepreneur as well as as a person you know so I, he had a lot of uh, core foundational characteristics that you want to see in an entrepreneur before we even we invested because he had seen uh, had built a, a decent scale product inside zoho with a lot of experimentation 
So he wasn't afraid of experimenting at home. Ability to experiment was high. So he knew about picking up the market. He would always say it's a small market versus big market. And secondly, go to market also. He knew how to influence the market in his favor. He wouldn't pick any category that is hard to penetrate. So he would always pick products or categories that he would say, hey, this category is easier for me. I know how to reach the customers. I know how to spend on Google or SEO or write content so that I attract these customers to my doorstep so that they can evaluate my product and buy. The second one I would say is ability to spot talent. It was there, but I'd never seen him execute. But now over the last 10 years, you know, his leadership team has changed, I think, three or four times. So he is able to spot talent really well and get the best out of them until, you know, they run out of steam or they say, you know, I, I, you need a next level person. So you bring another leader and so on. So sp spotting talent and getting the best out of them, you know, he's extraordinarily good. And, and, and thirdly, you know, he cares so much about employees. And it was a very early, I realized that, you know, he wanted a culture of engaged and happy employees. And that he knew that without that, the rest doesn't come through. So if you hear his own prioritization, he says, first and foremost is employees. If employees are happy, then they will make sure customers are happy. And if customers are happy, then investors are happy. And then that's the sequence. He has been prioritized uh, his work at Freshworks, and I think it has paid off uh, uh, so far. Hmm. Um, now that uh, Freshworks has gone public uh, in the US, uh, what do you see as the next big priorities for Girish? So the next priorities, uh, you know, are uh, whatever the expectations has been set and is uh, listing, you know, he has to execute on those. And uh, he's constantly aware of the responsibility he has taken that, uh, you know, he wants to build a massive company. He wants to keep up the growth rate and he wants to build more products and bring it to the market and make sure that all products all come together and delight customers. So uh, it's now, uh, you know, executing the vision the company has established because the market size is really large, I think $120 billion. The company is in a 300 million plus uh, revenues. So this is a, you know, a long journey, a massive uh, market of potential. So it's up for him to execute and capture a leadership position in the, in, in the market. Mm. What is the uh, thinking? I mean, can you talk about this? What is the thinking on whether Axel will uh, exit uh, Freshworks or partially exit? Give us a sense of uh, also the kind of uh, returns Axel and its LPs uh, stand to make in return for your faith in Girish and Freshworks over the last 10 years. Yeah, so this is a, a material company for uh, investment from Axel perspective. Uh, you know, we haven't uh, returned the our investment in Freshworks, you know, the shares to our LPs. We are working out when and how to return those uh, uh, shares to our LPs, our investors. Uh, but uh, having said that, uh, you know, this is a an extraordinarily uh, great outcome uh, for our investors and as Axel. 
and this is what people call in VC industry a multi-bagger. So this uh, investment uh, is going to return several excess of uh, of the fund size that we had at uh, Axel. Uh, so you know only the final numbers will come out when we all uh, distribute the shares. So until then, uh, you know, uh, just hard to predict because you know when you distribute, it's the public market valuation at that on that day and how much we distribute. We may not even distribute all of it at once. So we're working out the details of what is the exact way and how we should distribute this and when we should distribute this. Hmm. Couple more questions uh, in the context of uh, uh, how you said earlier that uh, now there is a company that uh, represents uh, your Indian portfolio with an IPO in the US. Of course, as you know, there's a lot of excitement within the Indian uh, software ecosystem today because of uh, Freshworks' IPO. So, I mean, while it is developing and definitely growing rapidly and maturing, uh, it just occurred to me that, you know, the entire Indian SaaS ecosystem today, uh, I mean, based on this estimate uh, by Zeno and others, uh, is uh, less than one quarterly uh, revenue number from Salesforce alone. Uh, so, what are some of the reasons that uh, you know gives you and others in the industry, you know, the optimism that there'll be Indian cloud software companies that could one day rival companies like Salesforce? Yeah. So, you know, you have to look at the 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 age of the companies, right? You know, as time happens, then the different category of companies will come. I think uh, if you talk about Salesforce, Salesforce was a 2000, sorry, a, a late 90, 90s company when it started. And, uh, you know, they had a lot of time under their belt and also a pioneer as their first SaaS company on CRM, which is a very large market. So when you compare that to kind of Indian ecosystem, which is only less than 10 years old, Freshworks is one of the first few. And if you look at most of the SaaS companies are, vintage over you know the last five years or so uh, so still early in the ecosystem but having said that what one should look at is the growth rate how fast our companies are growing and if they keep up the growth rate the power of compounding is so high you know if you start with zero revenues and now if you look at freshworks itself after 10 years you know it is a listed ipo and you look at many of our other companies they're all growing at least 2x, uh, you know, year on year, you know, uh, in, in my own portfolio, I have Charge B, which is growing 2x, Zenoti growing 2x, then, uh, you know, and uh, we just had another one called Falcon X, just grown, I don't know, 500x or 1000x already <laughs> from zero in three years. So if you look at the software companies coming out of India, and many of our younger companies are growing faster, uh, in the first uh, few years than what Fresh was doing. So the momentum and the direction is all in favor of Indian SaaS companies. And it's just a matter of time. And they all will look different if you look back next 10, 15 years. If you look at similarly, the IT services companies in India, 30 years back, we throw in four sisters for puny, right? Like uh, tiny ones. And when you compare to IBMs of the world, but look at it right now, they're as big and as better as anything else. Now, they're, they're all equal players on a global arena. So I expect one day our 
SaaS companies coming out of India would be a global, uh, they'll be one among many global giants and it's just a matter of time. Yeah, of course, uh, I agree. Uh, there are many historical reasons as well uh, because of the way things are uh, developing uh, and have developed uh, over the years in, in India versus uh, the advanced economies. Uh, so in that context, what are some of the areas where India's uh, SaaS ecosystem still has some ways to go uh, compared with maybe Silicon Valley cloud software companies? And the biggest challenge I would say for companies coming out of India is uh, still lack of uh, trained talent. See, if you want in the Valley, if you want to hire head of sales who will help you move from say 50 million to 150 million or 200 million ARR or a marketing head to help you market all the way up to 500 million ARR. There are enough supply, if not in the valley, in the US. But whereas in India, only select few companies have this kind of skill set. And not having that skill set is the biggest challenge for us. And as long as we help each other and learn from each other and learn from global leaders who are willing to park their knowledge and their execution uh, skills to our folks in India will be left behind. So that is one of the biggest challenge, I would say. But the rest was, you know, access to entrepreneurship, founders already there, access to great ideas. Yes, many of our ideas are world-class. Access to capital that has been solved in the last 10 years. In the early days of Freshworks, not a lot of people were excited about this SaaS as a category. But right now, that's a category every investor is investing in India. So, you know, all things are shaped in terms of access to capital, access to entrepreneurs and access to ideas. It's about only skills and talent is the area we need to solve. Couple of questions about uh, Axel and your work uh, itself. Um, you know, uh, you mentioned Atlassian and UiPath earlier on, uh, and I said, I'll come back to those uh, names. I mean, it's just that I can't help, you know, think about how uh, there are companies uh, that don't seem to have many other VC backers, and, and that seems to be by design. But Axel somehow spotted them uh, relatively early, and in some cases very early, and invested in them. I mean, Atlassian is a great example, I guess, and definitely Freshworks. Uh, browser Stack, another name that comes to my mind. I know about the Series A that happened uh, uh, very recently, and at a time when browser stack was already doing very well. So what's the secret sauce here? So, um, yeah. So, you know, we have a uh, a process called, uh, you know, prepared thesis. So when we uh, look at a category, look at an idea, we spend quite a lot of time thinking about what kind of companies would succeed in this kind of environment and this kind of category. So when I joined Axel, I took the responsibility to go deep on software as a service, SaaS. So I spent a lot of time benchmarking global companies, speaking with a lot of people in the Valley. And I was part of two startups, both were in the mobile, both were in the subscription business. I knew enough about them. So we knew exactly what we were looking for, and we started evaluating uh, companies in that category. So if you look at Freshworks and Charge B, they're all the same vintage. Then we did MindTickle, which is also a unicorn right now. 
then clever tap they're all coming out of the same category same year approximately you know 12 to 18 months this all came out of this thesis we had built saying that what kind of companies from india that would win in a global market and then we continue to hone that uh, thesis from a horizontal saas to vertical saas where we did uh, zenoti uh, we did uh, carestack and several of the other companies that have scaled well and then developer tools is another category that came up that's where we have done uh, hashnode browser stack and recently we did a, a low code platform called appsmith and uh, and so on so many of these ideas are coming out of a, a, a deeper thinking within axel of what kind of companies that to regional specific in the sense that what is an advantage for those companies coming out of india and be able to kind of spot and work with these companies to help them scale mm. uh, a few questions uh, and uh, and i want to ask these questions because i'm pretty sure our listeners would be interested uh, very interested in fact uh, about uh, your own uh, career and you know and work uh, you spent many years uh, steeped in products at uh, lightsurf and then very sign after very sign acquired the lightsurf uh did that help you to help your portfolio companies as a sounding board uh, amazing yeah ama- amazing help see now if you look at one of the culture code within axel most of us have come from some sort of an operating background you know uh, all of us have uh, built companies and scaled companies in the case of both starfish and lightsurf i pretty much did all the roles except of a ceo role and uh, knew the challenges of you know recruiting a talent how do i spot a good talent how do i get engineering right how do i get product right how do i get marketing right and sales right and how do we go to market and get customers to get excited about our products positioning many of these things uh, which were been honed so when i kind of work with these companies at least i cannot uh, push them in all aspects but in bite sized information we need to exchange ideas and so that they kind of really absorb and build their own thinking around what's the latest in doing those things and becoming a really strong sounding board because as an investor you know we are still always a you know a passenger you know we are sitting on the bus we are not the driver right and uh, the driver is the ceo and they have to make the choices but it is our job to give uh, options on the table help them understand all the choices on the table and if the choices they're making is uh, going to lead to a potential challenge in the future it's our job to kind of un- let them know or if not us find a, a great advisors who can help them understand so that they can make the eventual decision is theirs but it's our job to help them understand all the options on the table so that they make less mistakes and uh, and if they make less mistakes more likely they would win yeah like you said you you were a, a, a very successful technologist uh, at uh, high tech companies uh, what made you turn to venture capital was it a natural progression to help others benefit from your experience potentially create larger impact than as the top executive in one company or was there some kind of an aha moment as well Yeah it's a great question you know i was part of two teams both exited very well both were successful uh, both in the valley and in the first company i think we had impacted around 200 plus employees 
the second one maybe around 350 and each took uh, six plus six so 12 years 12 years of my life i was looking at you know i'd learned a lot about it is there a profession where i could work with founders and amplify my time and be able to participate in creation of more value and more impact in the ecosystem and i couldn't think of a, a better career than the the vc career so that's the reason you know i took up axel because axel is a very early stage investor and a lot of empowerment to every investor to choose their own path of what they would like to invest and uh, axel has been a great platform for me to be able to work with uh, founders you know on a paper idea all the way from founders who have scaled so that uh, i can help them uh, grow big and they get the best out of these founders to think big and also in the process you know a lot of fun of uh, creating these uh, extraordinary companies that serve customers worldwide and make sure customers are happy and in the process uh, investors employees and everybody is happy yeah. what is the one uh, sort of biggest or most important lesson you've learned as a vc that you know you'd like to share with uh people aspiring to uh, a career in venture capital and and also to entrepreneurs looking for great vcs to back them yeah you know i think many times people forget that we are in a people business so whether uh, as a vc is a very non scalable uh, uh life in the sense that you know you may do in a career as a vc maybe 25 max 30 investments but to make those 30 investments you might meet thousands of customer companies how do you keep your relationship with thousands of companies in every possible way help them whatever way possible so that it, they help you find your 30 companies that you want to support them and and people wear a hat of investor first versus a hat of creating helping the entrepreneurs first and that is for me a fundamental difference so if you are an early stage investor wants to be in a vc ecosystem uh, you do need to care about entrepreneurs mindset and they might not have come from great schools great colleges they might have left a job their idea may be very weak very easy to dismiss them because you know we are in a position of strength and position of power but if there is a way to help them whatever way possible to get to a next level i think they will remember that and that's how you build a, you know your impact to the ecosystem and at least i spend a, a significant amount of time in saas bhumi and in kind of you know a lot of round tables and so on i know like many many something uh, may not happen anything there but at least i know some of the founders are finding it uh, valuable yeah uh shekhar we started our conversation with an amazing company out of india that's already achieved a, a fantastic us ipo uh, to throw the story forward uh, maybe we can it's fitting that we bring it back to uh, india and uh, you're probably among the relatively few people in this uh, startup scene who can give us a, an informed view on what india's tech scene might look like over the next decade uh maybe uh, you can paint this picture for us 
Yes, the opportunity is extraordinarily good. You look at any aspects of our Indian lifestyle today, almost all aspects are being touched by one of our tech companies in the ecosystem. You know, whether you want uh, order food, whether you want to take a cab or a bike rental, whether you want to buy groceries, whether you want to lend, give money for loans or open a bank account for your kids, uh, buy an insurance product, buy a car, buy a used car or sell a used car or buy a, a scooter, finding a job, tech job or any other type of job, everything else is getting digitized. This is I'm talking from a consumer perspective. From a B2B perspective, you know, some of our companies, if you look at it, you know, whether it's in supply chain, shipping, you know, any ship coming to India, going out of India, there's already startups coming there. And if you look at uh, large scale manufacturing, many startups are coming. B2B marketplaces are like quite a lot of them we ourselves have supported. In every aspect, I would say in the next 10 years, you would see this digitization of this entire ecosystem to a level where the convenience factor for folks who are living in India, whether it's a enterprise companies or consumer companies, it's going to be amazing in terms of how value and convenience will be brought to the tables. So that if companies are not thinking that way today, either they will be left behind and this new age startups uh, will take over. So I'm very bullish on the possibility and actually leapfrogging of the, the our companies in India serving the Indian consumers as well as uh, Indian B2B uh, customers and our SaaS companies serving global customers is going to be an amazing journey. Fantastic. Uh, truly insightful uh, conversation as always, uh, uh, Shekhar. Uh, thank you so much for making time for this. Uh, much appreciated. Hari, thanks. Thanks for your time as well. Thank you for taking serious look at these kind of uh, stories and making it uh, happen and uh, spreading the word. Thank you. That was Shekhar Kirani. That's it for this briefing. You can find all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakali. Thank you for listening.